love it. Welcome everyone to Sovereign AF episode 12. My name is Regina Cornelio. I am your host and I am so excited for tonight's episode. I have my friend Sadie here. We are going to talk about um, herbal growing, medicinal herbs, gardening, all things having to do with, you know, permaculture, homesteading. Um, So hold on to your seats. Sadie is a lifelong gardener and intuitive. She trained under renowned herbalists. I'll try to say their names in case anyone knows of these people. (laughs) Um, Asia Suler, Yarrow Willard, and Saja Popham. So if you're in the herbalism realm, you probably know those names. I don't, but I'm sure they're a big deal. Um, she's also a trained Reiki master and she lives an organic and sustainable lifestyle. She has a medicinal herb farm and honeybee hives, which is, is another topic I'm really interested in. And she has a permaculture homestead in Texas. She's also a wife and mother of four, two cats and ducks. (laughs) So I can't wait to learn how, how is she doing all that? But Welcome, Sadie. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Regina. Yeah. So um, tell us more. I want to know, um, I know your a little bit of your backstory, and I'm sure that they want to know you have lived in so many different places and um, seems like you've been into gardening and all this stuff for a long time. So just give us like a, a quick summary of your your backstory and moving to different places and how you got into gardening and herbalism. Yeah. Is that a word? Kind of... Herbalism? Yeah. Yeah. I'm an herbalist. Yeah. I practice herbalism. Okay. You, you right, got good. it. You got it, girl. <laughs> so it's, I always say this funny, like contradictory lifestyle that I have is that I'm a big traveler. I like I've moved all around the world and I also do things that are like very anchoring with the land. So I have Mm -hmm. a homestead and I'm a gardener and I'm very attached to the land. So it's this interesting sort of play between two worlds. But I got started with gardening with my mom and my dad. Um, I was born. Where were you born? I was born in South Bend, Indiana. So if anybody knows that's where you started University of Notre Dame, everybody's like, we're South Bend and everybody knows Notre Dame. It's a Catholic university. Um, My grandfather Mm -hmm. was a professor there for 50 years. So I was born on my parents with, I guess what you could call a little homestead. It was like two acres and they were not, I mean, well, my grandfather, so my mom's dad was a big time gardener. He's a world war II vet. Um, So once he came back from the war, it's like, he poured his heart into that. He also built houses, but it sort of translated, you know, like through to her and influenced her. And so when my parents were young, they were homesteaders. So like some of my earliest memories are snapping peas with my mom on the porch when I was like, you know, two or something. Um, But by the time I was about 10, I sort of took over the gardens. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. had more interest at that point than my parents did anymore. And I mean, this is like, you know, back in the nineties. So like I was getting catalogs, you know, like seed catalogs, ordering, like filling it out, like mailing it in right before the internet. Um, And that was my first real, like, you know, having responsibility over a garden. 
Um, when I was 16, I moved to Chicago. I was going to an art school there. And so from about then until 24, I was living in Chicago and then San Francisco. And so I, I, I didn't really, that's like the only period I didn't really have a lot of access to space. So I wasn't really gardening. Maybe I would have, you know, like indoor plants and things like that. Um, but once I'd been in San Francisco for a few years and I met my husband traveling in, uh, South America, he made me, he was, I was like really missing it. And so he made me these wooden like planter boxes that he hung outside our windows. So Aww. this is like my introduction to urban agriculture. And so my main focus in gardening was urban agriculture from about the time I was yeah, 25 until three years ago, uh, when I was like 35, I was living in big cities. So I was living in San Francisco, then Rotterdam, the Netherlands, and then Toronto, Canada. And so each time I got a little bit bigger of a space, but I always like encourage people that like, don't feel limited if you are living in an apartment, like you can do it. You can have window boxes and you can have a balcony. And so in the window boxes, I was growing broccoli. I was growing lettuces, spinach. I was growing all sorts of like interesting vegetables and greens and things like that, just in a box outside my window. So once I moved to Toronto, I finally had like a, a yard, like it was small and there was a lot of shade because, you know, there's big buildings everywhere because we were downtown. But uh, at that point, I had already been an herbalist for a while. And so like I, I finally had space to start my medicinal garden and it was mostly that. Um, and then I had some vegetables. And then three years ago, I moved to my first homestead. And it's just sort of like grown and grown and grown since... <laughs> That's awesome. So I definitely have to ask, wow, what made you bounce around so much? I think I, I think it's like something in my, like if you call it like my soul mission or like my divine mm. blueprint, maybe like an aspect of grid work. I've always been really like my, one of my majors in college is anthropology. So I've always been really interested in other cultures. Um, so yeah, I just, I loved, I loved moving around. I traveled a lot in my twenties. Um, I, like I met my husband in South America. We were traveling for a year. That's just, so like, cool. Backpacking, but yeah, we, so wow. I was already living in San Francisco. He came to meet me there. And then we just like, we wanted to leave. He, he wanted a career change. And so he got into Erasmus university in Rotterdam. We were like, we had a kid, we had what our oldest then she was a baby and we missed traveling. We were like, how are we going to travel with a baby? And we're like, well, if you want to get your MBA, like let's go to Europe and get it there. So we relocated there and then we were there for about three years and he had the opportunity to start a business um, with someone he was working with there in Canada because his business partner was Canadian. And so we were sort of missing home and it was like Canada was sort of like a nice mix. Like it wasn't still the U.S. We weren't ready to not be expats anymore, but it was like close enough. You know, it's still North America, like similar cultures. So, yeah, that's why we moved there. One last question and then we'll get into the topic. I'm yeah, just no curious. One's... Out of all those places, what's your favorite? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, it's like, we were talking about this the other day. I asked my husband this the other day. And it's like, there's not one place I think that has all of the stuff. Like the best weather was definitely San Francisco mm. <laughs> like, for sure. Um, yeah. But the best community was Toronto. Like, Aww. and yeah, we just had, I had the most amazing community there. There's still, my best friends are still all there. Like my biggest supporters are still all there. It was really hard wow. to, to leave. Um, 
And yeah, I haven't, I haven't built that community yet here in Texas. So, uh, really? yeah, I, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's someone, Irina in the comments that <laughs> I think that oh, was that your girl, you. Irina, she's in <laughs> <Yeah>. Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I miss you blue. <laughs> oh, all right. So trying to think of where to start. Um, I'm curious Let's talk about herbs because the top, the actual topic is medicinal herbs. herbs. Yeah. And then we can kind of branch off. So what herbs are you currently growing? And then what, what do you think is the most imp- important? Like if you were to recommend for a beginner. So first off, what herbs are in your garden first? Man, there's like, I don't have my list. There's like 75 to 80. Oh, different oh never mind. Herbs. Okay. I know skip there's that. so, so many. If there's an herb, an herb that you know, that somebody knows they want to call it out. Like I bet you. <laughs> okay. So scratch that. <laughs> Next question. I did make um, a list though of like, I was, I was thinking about this and I, you know, I do teach gardening and, and herbalism and things like that. And I was thinking about it last night, you know, if, if I was going to say, you know, if somebody said, I need, I want to start an herb garden, like what herbs should I grow? <laughs> yeah. Like where <laughs> you know, to start? Totally. Like what are the most, I guess, like, useful because easy. this podcast is all about sovereign solutions. Yeah. So yeah. let's go to the basics. Like if someone was brand new and they just had a small amount of space and they can only start with like a few, like 10 or less, mm-hmm. what do you think is the most useful that is going to be beneficial to them and their family maybe. So I, I did write a list. I, I have 11. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But honestly, like just to start generally, the, the herbs that I recommend people start with are the ones that they already know. So we're talking about like what you would think of as culinary herbs. So right. that would be like parsley, uh, sage, mm. rosemary, oregano, thyme, um, lavender, things like that. The first ones that I mentioned, parsley, oregano, thyme, rosemary, and sage, those it's like, first of all, they're culinary. So you already are familiar with them and you would know how to use them. Right. Mm-hmm. So the learning curve isn't as steep. If I had give you thyme, you're probably going to be able to make a meal with it, right? If I give you right. rosemary, you're going to think, oh, I use, I already use rosemary. I could think of a dish to use that in. So they're really mm-hmm. versatile in that way. They're already familiar to most people, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. And they're really easy to grow. A lot of these, other than rosemary, which is trickier to start by seed because it's a woody perennial, you could get it at mm-hmm. any garden store, a small one just to, just mm-hmm. to start. But all the other ones are grown really easily from seed. That's the great thing about herbs is that compared to growing other things, like I have a really big vegetable garden. I grow fruit trees and things like that. Like herbs are the easiest. They're the most adaptable. You can grow them in like any climate, any soil. Like these are like what some can be considered weeds often. So like Mm -hmm. they're going to grow in your shit soil. Excuse my language. They're going to grow in rocky soil. They're going to grow in clay. Like you're not going to have to spend a bunch of money amending the soil and things like that. They're going to grow in containers. They're going to grow on a balcony. They're going to grow with suboptimal sunlight. You know, like when I had the garden in Toronto, we had, we only probably had four to six hours of direct sunlight, which is like, you're not growing tomatoes. Like, sorry, it's not going to happen. You're not growing peppers, especially that far North. Like you're just not going to get the heat in the sun. Um, and, and plants like that need a lot more like nutrition in the soil, but herbs are, they're really forgiving. They're really adaptable. And the culinary herbs are actually 
quite medicinal, like very powerful, like thyme, oregano. Mm. These are herbs that are really, really antimicrobial and antiseptic. So they're not even just like antibacterial. They're also like antimicrobial would mean like they prevent and kill like viruses, fungi, so bacteria. How how would you switch from culinary to medicinal? Let's shift into that a little bit. And then you can finish telling me the rest. Yeah. Of the yeah. Like, so how would I mean, you, like if you had time and cilantro and whatever, and you wanted to switch to medicinal, do you dry it and like have it in a tea or a tincture? Oh, or, like, what I do see you- what you're saying. How would I use the culinary herbs in like a medicinal preparation? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, like basic. I mean, we're, we're taking it down to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. You can use them really in the same ways that you would use something like, you know, echinacea or mullein or some of these more like what people would think are exotic. They're not exotic. They're native, but um, you know, these sort of like far out sounding herbs, you use them in the same way. So I actually cover a lot of this in my ebook, which is on my website. You can just go sign up for my mailing list and you'll get it for free. It's 45 pages. And it'll tell you all the different ways that you can prepare the herbs. So one thing you can do obviously is you just dry them and use them in culinary preparations. Uh, Other ways are infusions. So you can infuse in oil. So you could, you know, you could dry your thyme and you can put it in olive oil and then you can use that for culinary purposes. You can infuse it in honey. So Thyme and sage in particular are really good for like sore throats. They're good at um, reducing dry cough. Like if you have a wet cough, you want to be able to get it out. But if it's a dry cough, it's really just nagging and you sort of want it to be soothed and stop. So thyme and sage are really, really great for that. So you can infuse it in honey and you can take that like literally just by the spoonful. You can uh, infuse them in vinegar. And that's like one example of a vinegar infusion would be like fire cider. If people are familiar with fire cider. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a traditional folk remedy. Um, the, the fire cider that I make and that most herbalists make have lots of things in them. But uh, honestly, most of the herbs that I use in my fire cider are my culinary herbs. I use thyme. I use oregano. I use rosemary. So you can use them in all of those uh, preparations. Another thing that you can do is with your oil infusion, you can turn it into a salve or a balm so that you can use it for like skin inflammation. Like we're talking about psoriasis, eczema, like boo-boos, like <laughs> your kids, <laughs> like bruises, contusions, you know, scrapes, bug bites, rashes, like all of those sorts of things. Awesome. So cool. It's amazing all the things that you can do. Um, so what else is on your list of 11? So you told us, yeah. Yeah. I said oregano, thyme, rosemary, sage. So, um, also any basil. So like my favorite is Tulsi, which is also known as holy basil. So this is a basil that originates from India. They call it holy basil because it's, they have it at every single, um, like holy site like, um, where they do, you know, their, their rituals, like Hindu rituals and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's a very like sweet, earthy, pungent herb. It's also an adaptogen. So basically like people that are in the health world might be familiar with that term adaptogens. There's lots of different herbs and mushrooms and things like that, that are adaptogens. And basically what that means is that it, 
helps your body build a resistance to stressors. So it helps your body to adapt more to stressors and keeps you at like a higher equilibrium of homeostasis. Mm. So it's like, we're all under stress. Like it's <laughs> right. We yeah, all especially now. Right. We all have bouts of anxiety and it's not even just necessarily like stress and anxiety. It could be, you know, like things that you wouldn't necessarily correlate to the nervous system, like sleep issues or, you know, mood swings or mood disorders and things like that. Mm. So basil, all the basils are really easy to grow, but Tulsi in particular is a fantastic herb. I include it in lots of my herbal teas. Uh, Calendula Mm. is. What is that good for? Calendula is amazing. It's probably one of my favorites, but it's so easy to grow. It's so easy to grow. You could literally just like throw the seed. (laughs) It'll grow these. You know what it looks like? It's these beautiful. They look like little suns, these beautiful orange flowers, which are I think I need to grow some in my tower garden because I've seen other people do that. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. I know it grow calendula in there. Yeah. You, it would need to be somewhat sunny, but it's not quite as like if you had like yeah, six hours or something like that of sun. But uh, calendula is most famous for its affinity to skin inflammation. So it's really popular to use in balms and salves mm. and oils and things like that for for skin inflammation. Inflammation, because someone had a question, Judy, in the chat. So since we're since you just mentioned skin inflammation, mm-hmm. um, what else would you recommend for that? And then she said, talk more about psoriasis. Like what? herbs would you do you know what you would recommend for psoriasis psoriasis is really tough I actually have psoriasis mm. um it, I yeah it's it's hard because it's technically an autoimmune condition so right. uh it's it's like dealing with it at the skin level is really only a band-aid because all of our skin issues are actually internal issues yep Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there has to be some sort of a balance internally, like for a root cause, but as far as like soothing the inflammation and the redness and the itchiness and things like that, you know, making it easier to live with, there's nothing wrong with it. Of course, uh, calendula is great for that. It reduces itchiness. It reduces redness. It brings down the inflammation. So it makes you more comfortable in your skin. Um, something that you might want to take internally though, would be burdock, burdock root. Mm. That's something that you can grow really easily from seed as well. Um, it's sort of tricky to find fresh in stores, maybe like whole foods would be an option that would say, I, I know I've seen it there, but like, otherwise mm-hmm. it's hard to find. You might have to order it from a place like mountain rose herbs. You mm. could get it and you would drink it in like a tea form. I do include burdock in my fire cider and my elderberry syrup that are on my site. <laughs> cool. I can't wait to learn all about all the stuff that you have. <laughs> um, and I'm already familiar because I get some of your stuff anyway. But yeah, um, <laughs> So in order to make a, a salve, you would take the calendula and like mix it with. Well, yeah, you mix- start, you would start with an oil. So you'd start with an oil infusion. So you usually, when you're doing an oil infusion or a honey infusion, you want to dry your herbs first because yeah, especially herbs and flowers, they have a lot of high water content. And if you add the water, the fresh herbs, you're going to have a pretty high water content going into your oil or your honey mixture. And that can, you know, increase the risk of spoilage. So you want to dry it first 
And so again, like I, I cover this in the ebook, like, so you can get like actual recipes and ratios, but um, for, for the purposes of, you know, explaining it now, basically you would do like, if you're going to fill up a quart jar, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's not super, it doesn't have to be super scientific. Okay. It, it, you know, like we're like, you can do folk herbalism here, which is like in your kitchen, the way the grandmas <laughs> did it, you know, love it. <laughs> so love you, it. you get like a mason jar, right? Like a ball jar, mm-hmm. quart size or smaller, if you don't have very much and you'd mm-hmm. fill your, your jar up like halfway ish with your dried calendula, you pour the, um, the oil over it to the top and then you close it and you need to write a date on it. You always need to write what's in there because you can forget, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> and the date, the date that you did it. And you want to leave it for about four weeks to, it's like a slow infusion. If you needed it, like, oh my gosh, my son just got a horrible burn and we need it now. You can mm. do a heating, a gentle heating method. So you could put that oil, the, the calendula and the oil in the jar and you put it in a water bath on the stove and you heat it as, as low as possible. You know, like we're talking like this low, low simmer. Mm-hmm. Um, for at least 45 minutes, maybe an hour or two hours. Um, and then you just strain it out and you have your oil and that's like your base. So to go on from there to make a salve, you're, there's, there's ratios and things like that, but, um, depending on how soft you want the salve, how hard you want it, but really you just, if it was really super simple, you're just going to add beeswax. So you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to mix in like, basically it's like a, a three to one or a five to one ratio of the o- infused oil to beeswax, beeswax being the smaller amount. So if you have like five ounces of your oil, you're going to do like one ounce of beeswax. You're going to melt it on a double boiler, pour it into your jars, and then it just, it just hardens. And that's it. If you're lucky enough to have your own beehives, then you have all. <laughs> then you've got the wax too. <laughs> yeah. You've got all your own wax. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that rundown. Yeah. So do, uh, what else is on your list? And then we'll shift to something else. I'm just curious. Oh yeah. Just, what, can what? just rattle some off lavender. Everybody okay. knows lavender. That's also something that you'd probably want to buy as a start. It's a little, it's also a woody perennial like rosemary. So it's a little trickier. You can do it, but it's trickier. So if we're talking about first beginners, like I've this, just buy a start, just buy a little plant at the nursery. Uh, lavender <laughs> is also really great for skin. Everybody, like everybody probably knows that it's also like aromatherapy calming for the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, yarrow, you can also start from seed, but might want to start with a start. Yarrow is a great wound healer. So also would be something great to put in a salve. Um, and it's also really great for the immune system. It's a natural, uh, fever support. So, um, we don't recommend fever reducers. Fever is your friend, but it can be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and we want sometimes the fever go. to break, right. Mm-hmm. Without taking pharmaceuticals. So, Yarrow would be our friend there. We have some yarrow tea or a yarrow tincture. We would want to take it internally for fever and it can help that. It can help that fever break. So it gives us, you know, love that tip. That's a good one. Especially with kids when they can't sleep, you're like, Oh, I need relief. Like I need this. You don't, you'd want to do it in a tincture as the tea is bitter. Um, I love that. Instead of just leaning on aspirin, that's going to cause harm. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last two are, uh, lemon balm and echinacea. These are, I would say moderately easy to start by seed, not necessarily for beginners, but maybe like your second season, you, you, it just takes, it just has more steps. Um, but lemon balm is really a great ally for the nervous system. So 
It also tastes good. It's a mint family plant. So it has like a lemony minty flavor. It's like, you could drink the tea all day. It tastes really great. Um, but yeah, overall, like soothing the nervous system, rebuilding the nervous system and then echinacea, which is sort of like, you know, everybody's favorite. A lot of, a lot of people know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's el- elderberry and echinacea. Like everybody knows about those. So echinacea is fantastic. But at the same time, you know, you also have to recognize when you're planting these things, like what's the life cycle? When do I harvest it? What part of the plant do I use? You know? So like echinacea, you use you can use the flower. You can use the flower. It's just not as potent as the root. The root is what we tend to use. Um, now I do use the the flowers in, in my preparations and things like that, especially if you need it, it's just not as powerful and you don't harvest the roots for three years. So it's sort of a long play. Wow. Yeah. So all those, like most of the root herbs, you're talking like two or three years before you can harvest. So. And do you garden year round? I know you're I in do now. <laughs> I do now. So you can do that year round, huh? Lucky. Yeah. It, it's, it's been a learning curve though, because I was in Toronto for like six years and I mean, I'm mm-hmm. from the North, like I'm from the Chicago area. So not right. having a hard winter, I was really stoked when I moved here, like, Oh my God, I'll be able to garden year round. But honestly, like the summers here are brutal. And that's sort of like our winter. Yeah. There are things that grow, but a lot of things die back. So it's similar in that way as winter in the North that like things just, they go it's subterranean. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so hot. I hear yeah, you. But, so- but otherwise like, yeah, there are things and it's like adapting, you know, like you're talking about going on a move too soon. So it's like, you have to adapt to the, the climate that you're in. And then part of the beauty in that is like, okay, well, like there's a lot of experimentation that goes on, but then you start to see like, these are plants that grow naturally here. These are maybe native plants. Like, so that's Mm -hmm. also helping the ecosystem. But at the same time, like these are plants that you can rely on because they grow really well where you are. And so I've, I've, you know, shifted some of my tea blends and some of my tincture blends and some of like my medicine offerings based on what now, like what now is growing here. So I've had to make some switches, you know, like instead of using skullcap all the time, which grew great there, doesn't grow great here. I use passion flower because it's like a weed here. And I actually like, there's too much. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. You have to, you know, you have to be adept. So what else is in your garden? I know you've got like 75 herbs. Do you have any other fruits and vegetables? <laughs> I'm just curious what else you grow. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I'm like pointing back here. Like you can see it. It's there. <laughs> it's dark. Um, I have 10 raised beds that I use just for vegetables and okay. fruits in the summer. So melon. So right now, um, for us in zone eight B here in South central Texas, it's mm-hmm. basically like sp- spring gardening, um, in the North because y'all don't have a second, like it's like second spring here. Fall here is it's like the second major growing season. So we have spring and then summer, everything dies and then fall. You have, <laughs> so you have I spring, have, summer, spring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And then, and then it just starts again because we don't really have a winter. So uh, I, right now I have all, all sorts of Asian greens, which are really fun. I've got like Chinese cabbage, bok choy, um, mizuna. I have mustard greens, collard greens, all the brassica family. So that's like your kale, cabbage, um, cauliflower, mm. collards. I just planted 
today I planted peas, <laughs> snap peas and um, regular peas. And I just planted garlic and onions. So those aren't quite, they just started to like poke through, like those won't be harvested until the winter. Um, but also lots of herbs. I've got oregano, I've got parsley, dill, fennel, cilantro, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> That's so cool that you can garden year round. And so can I, cause I got the indoor, indoor right. one, which is which is awesome. I'm learning to garden. So I'm the opposite of you, how you said you grew up watching your mom and by 10, you took over the garden. I used to make fun of my mom <laughs> like in her lame. gardening. And I used to be like, oh, you're going to garden. All right. Bye. Like I would make fun of her. And now yeah. I'm like, I am so hyped up on this tower garden. I love it. I love it. And I've got like these little You'd be surprised. I have watermelon. I have everything in there because it has light and it has water as as much of the day as you want. And it's, it's in pretty- those like rock wool, right? Is that what you planted yeah. it in? I, yeah, okay. I don't know what, I forget what those things are called. I think but- it's rock wool. I think I saw a picture on your Instagram. It's like yeah. kind of hard, but also fluffy little like. Yeah, it's kind of like squishy when it gets wet. It's weird. Yeah, it's, weird. it's rock but, wool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so- I have watermelon. I have tons of stuff in there and, uh, I have like little sprouts coming out. I'm like, Oh my God, I hope I don't kill you. I hope, (laughs) I hope that I'm doing this right. I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, I used to make fun of my mom and now I'm like super, like one of my most favorite things I'm excited about is the tower garden. So I love it. I love it. It's funny how you can just kind of come full circle. And I think growing your own food, I mean, that's one of the biggest sovereign resources we can talk about. Like it might be boring to some people, but if you understand what's being put in our food, yeah. Um, I don't buy meat from the grocery store anymore mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, I, I've got farmers that I get my here meat from in them. Idaho that I get all of my meat from the farms. I get all of my dairy from the farms. I try to only have raw dairy. Um, I get as much of my fruits and vegetables from farms as I can. It's harder in the winter, um, without farmers markets, if you don't know people, but now I've got the tower garden, but, um, I try to like buy as little from the grocery store as possible. I mean, even organic, the guidelines on that, you can't trust. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of power that you can reclaim in knowing exactly where your food came from. So like, if you, you know, the best thing is obviously growing your own food. I mean, you build a relationship with these plants, you know, them intimately, like you gave them your love, you raised them, you know, you have this story with them. Like you can remember like when they were just a seedling, (laughs) you know, you know, I connected to these little babies and even my cat loves them. And so you can Let's, grow catnip. That's one of my favorite herbs. No, I need to because I think it's so easy scared. to grow. She's it will like scared. take over your garden. That's how well it grows. Seriously. She's, but no, she'll, I, I just, get cats all the time. I have two cats, but like the neighborhood cats yeah. will come in my huge cat. And they'll just eat your catnip and get high. <laughs> and just like lay in bushes because they become these like huge, they can become huge bushes if you give it, if they have the space. Yeah. And, but they're. Yeah. It catnip is interesting just on this note because you brought it up. It has the opposite effect on humans. So it's a stimulant for cats, but it's actually what we call an herbal nervine for humans. Mm. So it's actually one of the most potent urban er, 
herbal nervines that we have at our disposal. It's, it's also in the mint family. So that's why it grows like crazy. Um, but I, it's, it's something that I put in my like Zen blend, you know, herbal teas that are designed to help with stress, anxiety, sleep issues, things like that. Catnip is like the magic. So I need to grow that because also thought it, I thought it calms cats. It has the opposite effect. No, I need to find it, something it calming. Them, yeah. <laughs> I think she's a little bit afraid. She'll get used to the tower garden because it makes noise. Like it waters itself. It uses aeroponics. Okay. So last night she slept in bed with me because I, I finally set it up <laughs> like, last night. The- and she's like, wait, <laughs> it's making noise. And, the, and like the water goes on, I think every 45 minutes. And she's like, she's like, she's a scaredy cat. But, um, (laughs) so, okay. I'll have to get some catnip going. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, just keep it maybe on the lower part. So she doesn't like, (laughs) right. And then she'll be hyper all night waking me up. I don't need that. I do not need that. But, Daytime snack, yeah. Um, I love what you said about connecting with your plants. Let's dive into that a little bit because um, I plants have a consciousness. I don't know if people know that. And um, long story short, I was vegan for a couple years. I did not, I was not healthy as a vegan. I did not feel healthy. I'm no longer a vegan, but I watched an episode on Gaia.com. I don't know if you've ever seen Gaia.com. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Wisdom <laughs> Teachings with David Wilcock? No, but I know David Wilcock, of course. Yeah. yeah. So he had an episode where he showed, um, it's probably similar to the plant wave uh, machine that I have. Oh, okay. It was like a yeah. machine where they put little, little microbes on the plant mm-hmm. and it measured the frequency of the plant. Okay. And it was like a beautiful frequency. And then they put the plant in a boiling pot of water and the frequency was like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and so yeah. it kind of proved the point that plants have a consciousness and yeah, I can feel the consciousness of the plants. I can feel the consciousness of the trees. I've always been kind of sensitive mm-hmm. like that. And I want to know, um, you know, how do you, you were saying that you kind of teach people to connect with their plants. So tell me about that. Yeah. It's actually like, I think probably something that is unique in the way that I teach gardening is that I'm, I always cover like the intuitive aspect of connecting with your plants, because I think it's really important and you can, the plants have a lot of wisdom that they can teach you as well. So it's not just you being a better steward of the land doesn't even have to be plants that you're cultivating, right? It can be wild plants. It can be plants that are just growing on your land. It could be plants that are growing in a park nearby, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can, you can connect with, with any of those plants. You just, when you said that the David Wilcock thing, it reminded me of something, um, some research that I'd read that I was teaching to my students, my last organic gardening workshop series was that they, there were studies done that plants, plants sent out like, um, a warning sort of frequency to other, when they were getting harvested to other plants around them. Right. And those other plants responded. So like, Mm. not only are plants sentient, but they're like communicating with each other. (laughs) which is and they're aware enough that they know that they're going to be harvested so like just we can just talk about respectful harvesting which is also in the ebook i cover this um what i i always tell people that you communicate with your plants before you harvest them 
and you let them know, like you don't have to be even harvesting the whole plant. You could be like, let's say calendula for calendula. Basically when you're harvesting, just, you know, you don't harvest the whole plant. You're just popping off flower heads all the time. You're just harvesting the flowers before Mm. you start popping those flowers off. You, you let the plant know it's a simple, all you don't have to be guru. You don't have to be like meditating every night to be able to communicate with plants. It's literally like you can just talk to them or you can just say it in your mind. You don't have to be like, Oh, well, like, you know, my neighbors might see me talking to plants and they'll think I'm a freak. Like, first of all, fuck your neighbors. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, exactly. You can just, you know, like in your mind, you can let them know, like, first of all, you, you should ask, I always say you should ask. And then all you need to, you just need to be open and receptive. Mm. You'll feel like, you'll feel if it's a no or a yes. What did you hear in your head? Did you, did you feel like, like a resistance or did you feel like, Mm. yeah, this is good. I can do this. Like it, it, you know, it's, it's a lot easier than people think. So you let, and if you get a yes, you say, okay, let's say you were going to prune something and you're going to snip it. You let them, you hold it and you say, okay, I'm going to prune here because the plant can pull their energy out of that branch or, you know, before you cut. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's about like, basically it's just a mindfulness Yeah. I want to add to that because in that same episode, when they were showing the frequency of the plant, when you put it in the pot, then they showed you, if you hold the plant and you say, thank you, Mm -hmm. literally that's it. You just say, thank you. And you put it in that changed the frequency. So I do this all the time, like a weirdo. Like if you saw me at home and I'm like (laughs) making a salad and I'm breaking the lettuce up before I put it in a bowl, I say, <laughs> I talk to the lettuce like it's my cat. I'm like, thank you, little plant babies. And then I, <laughs> I love it. That's oh, great. And my cat's like, what? Like get, probably getting jealous of the lettuce, you know, but thinking, and I do that to the meat. I do that to the grains, everything. I thank it before I like, before I'm going to cook it, before it's going to, you know, change the frequency so that they know they feel the gratitude. But maybe I also need to say, Hey, I'm about to Thank you. I'm about to put you in the pot. <laughs> well, once it like once it's been harvested, like, you know, it's already sort of done that. But like, right. It's also good for you, like, because if you're giving the plant gratitude before you consume it, like you're consuming the vibration of that. So it's also healthy for you yes. to, to to have that, you know, that reciprocity of of gratitude. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it can, you can take the practice, like, obviously like you can take the practice into gardening into, you know, fostering deeper relationships with your plants, but you can also, you know, like if a tree has to get cut down, like trees are sentient beings as well. Like tree, like it's good, like rule of thumb to let them know like three days in advance, if you can, before you have to, if you have to cut it down, you know, like you like give them time, you know, to prepare for that. Have you ever seen Journey to Truth podcast? No. It's one of my f- favorite podcasts. You have to check it out. But there was yeah. an episode recently on this and there was a woman, or I guess I think they were just talking about it actually, but they had a woman on who can communicate with trees and plants. Mm-hmm. And she said that, she said um, that she basically told a tree told the woman, Hey, if you're going to cut us down, just give us, I think it was like three days also. Yeah. Just give us like three days heads up so we can like prepare of where they're going to kind of shift if it's put down. And actually the tree was saying, I'm looking forward to it. I want to connect to the river. 
So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like cause I gonna... guess there was a river right there mm-hmm. as the tree would be cut, cutting down. It was like kind of looking forward to it, but like had to prepare. And yeah. it's so funny. I've never, I've always known that everything has a consciousness. Crystals have a consciousness, rocks, uh, mm-hmm. obviously animals, plants, mother earth. Right. But I never thought of like giving them a heads up. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really like sort of taking the idea of mindfulness and and applying it to gardening or just interacting with the environment around you because it's all, it's all sentient. Despite what, you know, we grew up being taught, you know, it's just a rock. Right. Actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rocks have a lot of wisdom as well. Like crystals, right? We all like, you know, people in our sphere know about crystals. Like rocks are the same. Like crystals are rocks. They're just minerals. They're specific minerals that grow in rocks, right? So um, yeah. And and if anyone is interested to to learn a little bit more about this, like consciousness as a frequency in things that are considered non-sentient, you could look at the work of Dr. Uh, Emoto. Have you ever heard of him? Oh yes, the water. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I make flower essences and I'm like a huge proponent of them. It's, I don't know. I, I know lots of other herbalists, like my teachers that, that make and sell flower essences, but around here and then back in Toronto, I didn't know any other herbalists that focus a lot on flower essences. It's like a little esoteric or whatever, but the, when I'm like at a farmer's market or something and I, people are like, what are these? Do I, is it smell like something? I I like to talk about his work because I think that it's a really good illustration of like the power of vibration and how Mm. water can, can hold that and and how water has a consciousness as well. The other person that just popped into my mind is Veda Austin. Have you ever Mm. heard of her? Yeah, I follow her. She is, has such, I think she was inspired by Dr. Emoto, but her work, she has this like freezing technique, this like flash mm-hmm. freezing technique. And mm-hmm. she will, it's, it's really crazy, but she will like, first of all, you could say things, right. And we've done these exercises with plants as well. Like I'm talking to my plant and I'm like, I love you. I love you. And, and they grow better. And she's like, you're a piece of shit. Like it doesn't like it will wither and die. Right? You know, and- I just saw a study that um, said that they, if they play classical music, the yeah, plants yeah, would yeah, grow yeah. like, but <laughs> yeah. like a lot bigger, not just a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, they're, they're interactive, right? They're interacting mm-hmm. with your, the frequency of your words and your intention. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And, and music, like, I, and I think that in that same study you're talking about, they also played like death metal. And it was like, no, <laughs> yeah, not high vibe. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, yeah, it's really modern music. Really? I mean, even the stuff that, Hey, every once in a while I'm at the gym, I need some eighties and some classic rock, some nineties hip hop. Oh, for not sure. The, yeah. You know, like not the highest vibrational music. No same. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Taylor Swift sometimes and my daughter makes Taylor Swift. Oh my goodness. I feel like all little girls are probably into, into that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating and she is really inspiring. So she's branched off from like, she would say, you know, like 
gratitude or love and then freeze it and see the crystals. But then she also started like showing it pictures and then the water would crystallize in the pattern of like a picture, like a, it's like it was a bird, like it would look like a bird. And it's like, can you see, she and so the next one, she said, can you see this? Can you see me? And, and the water crystallized in the shape of an eye. Amazing. It has its own consciousness, but you know, what blows my mind because the thought of water plants having a consciousness, like that doesn't seem crazy to me anymore, but inanimate objects can even hold a consciousness, believe it or not, not, I don't know about everything, but they can Mm -hmm. hold a consciousness like a home, even a car. And Mm -hmm. so that's wild. That that's really wild stuff. Um, if you want to say anything about that, or I have a couple questions to get to in a second, but like in the oh. chat. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can go with the questions. All I would say, like, as far as the thing that popped into my head, when you talked about the home is like clearing your space <laughs> because your home yes. is like, you're yes. connected to your home and right. everyone that lives within your home also has a connection with your home. And so, you know, when we all get in sh- bad moods, you know, we're all like, feeling emotions and there's like you know you can think about it like energetic debris right and Mm. then let's say you have visitors that come over family comes over that and they have lingering energy yes yeah and the home it holds that and so I recommend like every two weeks um you know burning sage mugwort uh, you know other sacred herbs uh, you know high vibe Mm. incense um, mm-hmm. and clearing the space. And it really, it's all, again, it's about mindfulness and intention. So you're stating your intention. Like I'm clearing the space mm-hmm. of any negative energies, any dense, stagnant energies. And then once you've, you know, gone through every room, then you open up all the windows and then you, yeah, mm-hmm. you cast it out. You're like, you're, you know, I'm releasing you now. And then sometimes what people like to do is maybe you diffuse some high vibe essential oils. Maybe you burn like, mm-hmm. you know, Palo Santo, which, I like Palo Santo. I like the smell better too than sage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like Palo Santo too. Like I, I like, really the like smell it to be like make try to make sure it's sustainable and all that. Like where you're buying it from, but um, yeah. And then you close all the windows, and it really does help a lot. You can also do it um on your land. Like if you have land, I do the perimeter. So I will just walk, you know, in a fire safe sort of a way, <laughs> I'll walk with my burning ears and I'll do like the perimeter of my land, walk around with it. Just so you're just being mm. mindful. You're stating your intentions. And, and it's, that's I like something. that. I heard you could also do like a grid with um, crystals, like a grid around. Oh yeah, for sure. While yeah. you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. So I scrolled back. I missed a question. Judy said, how do you use passion flower it's wild here in Kentucky. Okay. So first of all, you, there's, there's two major types of passion flower. You have to figure out which one you is because one of them's poisonous and one of them's not. Okay. So quick Google search, take a picture of your passion flower and, and just Google it. That being mm. said, uh, passion flower is a nervine. It's really, really great for stress, all yes. sorts of stress. So, yes. um, anxiety, overwhelm, looping thoughts. Um, I I also Mm. use it as a flower essence specifically for that. Like people that find themselves like spiraling, you know, like, um, like mentally. I need some of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, see, we we all, you know, we all do it, but some people tend to like like, negative, but it's just 
overactive. Yes. Yeah. Over an overactive mind. That's why I like looping thoughts, like where you're like, yes, you're almost like stuck in this loop. Passion flowers yeah. is really, really great specifically for that. What about um, lemon balm? Isn't that good too? Or is that different? Lemon balm is, is more of like a general soothing, soothing the nervous system. Uh, okay. it's, yeah, I, I use them in, in, um, combination a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but passion flower is better for that really like overactive mind. Or like, if you find your, like, get stuck in the mentalism, which I know I do. I tend to be a very like mental, like, you know, I'm, I'm a planner. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like to, you know, think my way out of things, which isn't always the best. Like it's actually, you know, something I'm working on leading more of the heart, less with the mind. But Going if you find that you're a mind-based person and you get stuck in there, like, oh, I got to figure this out. Or what about this? I'm playing out worst case scenarios. I've got to think about all my, you know what I mean? That's like mentalism. That's overactive thinking. So mm-hmm. passion flower is really good for that. Awesome. Another question. What about witch hazel? How to make a stronger preparation for scalp? Hmm. Do you know anything about that? Do they have witch hazel? Like a plant or they're, I guess they're buying it. You're buying it. So I guess how to make, so I guess let's assume she has it because she said, what about witch hazel? How to make a strong, stronger preparation for scalp. So assuming that you have the witch hazel, how would you prepare it for your scalp for the scalp i mean Hopefully honestly I'm getting the question right you can it's a little bit tricky like i would probably just buy you know witch hazel if you yeah. want to use it for your scalp um but you can always you can always make a an infusion which is like a fancy word of saying a tea because it's mm. a leaf so you're getting, uh, there's two different ways that you can make, uh, an infusion with water. You would do an infusion, which is what most people think of. That's when you're using like really light, you know, you're using the leaf or you're using the flower when mm-hmm. you're using like roots, you make something called a decoction and the preparation is different for that. Um, but yeah, basically, essentially you make a tea. So you bring your water to a simmer, you're going to pour it over. Like, let's say you want to make a cup of tea. You'd probably use like a tablespoon of witch hazel two mm-hmm. teaspoons, something like that. But you need to make sure that you cover it while it steeps with any medicinal tea. And people are always shocked at the farmer's market when I tell them this, you have to cover it because the volatile oils, which is the medicine in the plant, escape through steam. Mm-hmm. So when you're when your cup is just like steaming, all the medicine, not all of it, but a lot of the medicine is coming out into the ether, it's in your steam. So you may cover it and then, you know, steep it for like 15 minutes, <clears throat> let it cool. And you can do tea rinses on your scalp and in your hair. Mm. That's probably the most like approachable way if you really wanted to like DIY it. Mm. And Irina said rosemary is great for scalp and hair also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You could even put that rosemary in the tea. Uh, Irina is a really big fan of essential oils. So, um, she probably uses it that way. So you could take, um, you know, if you have like a reputable essential oil, you want to make sure that you do, um, because there's like rampant over harvesting and things like that, um, where it's not sustainable and maybe it's like cut with other things. Do your research before you buy your essential oils. Um, I'd but love yeah, advice on that, on like any companies you would recommend for essential oils. I mean, for like an MLM option, the, I, I actually do like Young Living. I, I find they're really, uh, yeah, because they it's actually- It's either Young Living or doTERRA. 
I don't like a big competition there. So I you know, like living. That's interesting. Okay. It, if, if I was going to pick an MLM, yes. Like I have a lot of young living products, so I've tried it out. But the thing I like about them is that they own their own farms and you can go visit them. Mm, okay. So I really like that because they're vertically integrated, which is like what I do with my business. I know exactly where it's right. coming from. I'm in charge of how it's grown and product quality control and things like that. So just getting shipped from China. Do you make oil? To like essential oils or no? I, I I do, but the amounts that I get are not enough to like sell. To like sell them and you gotcha. would need so much plant material because what what I, when I distill, I mostly what you get is what's called a hydrosol. So these mm. are like floral waters, which are fantastic, and I actually like have been using those more. Um, but the essential oils will float on the top and you'll see it's like, you know, 99% hydrosol and like 1% essential oil at the top. So you need a lot of plant material to be able to make them. But that being said, if you can find a, a high quality mountain rose herbs also has really great essential oils. If rose you want to, you know, okay, if you, you want to go and them. Mount, yeah, mountain rose herbs is great. I, I, they they're associated with uh, some other organizations that I'm a member of um, okay. United Plant Savers. Um, they have their own. I love you. It's you know they they take care part of, of all the associations. You're so cute. You're like legit a real. You're the real. I try. <laughs> all the plant associations. Mm-hmm. Um. So well, yeah, Judy. You- so right, now I was going to say, long story short, you could take the rosemary and you just put like a drop in your, like you're going to wash your hair because you're talking about the scalp. You would just put a drop, one drop okay. of that rosemary essential oil in your palm with your shampoo. And then you just, and that mm. that's a way that you could apply it. But you could also do a tea rinse. Yeah. I feel so like I need to throw all my essential oils out now. I don't trust them anymore. <laughs> we can talk about it afterwards if you want. <laughs> which one's um, Judy said, which form of the passion flower is best? Do you know which one is the better one or? I, I think up? it's, yeah, you should look it up. I think the, you're going to, which one's toxic here. You can find out. No, online I can't remember the toxic. Latin name. I think it's like passion flower incarnata, I think is the one that I have. Um, Just look but, up the one that's not toxic, right? Yeah. yeah there's yeah. there's only two types. I'm pretty sure it's gotcha. incarnata is, is okay. the Latin name of the one that the one that's medicinal. Um, but okay. they, they have, a, they look very similar, but they had a different enough look, the flower, not the leaf, the flower has a different enough look that you'll be able to tell the difference. Another question. And then we're going to kind of wrap up and maybe we'll hang out for a few minutes. Um, so you, so, okay. This is my mom. You mentioned something about drying the herbs completely. Was that because of the moisture? Yes. I think you answered that or creating possible mm-hmm. spoilage. Is that why? T- yes. She, she already answered that is right. Yeah. The moisture mm-hmm. because yeah, plants and- hold a lot of moisture. So exactly. They do. And there's like a lot of different ways that you can do that. If you mm-hmm. don't have, like I use drying racks that have like lots of holes in them. Um, but I have so much plant material. Like it makes sense that I would have big drying racks. You can use a food dehydrator that you just put on your kitchen counter. I also mm-hmm. use one of those. Like if I need it like fast, um, I will use my dehydrator, but on the lowest setting. So we're, it's like, I think my lowest setting is 95 okay. degrees Fahrenheit. So that's like, I have a dehydrator. 40 I or it, less I need Celsius. To. Um, okay. you can use Low that setting. in a pinch. Um, but the, like the old school, like the folk way to do it would be to bundle your herb 
tie it and then hang it. But you want it, it has to be like if it's especially if it's flowers, but really anything you want to hang it upside down because then mm -hmm. all the energy is then going down into the flowers or the leaf, whatever it is that you're going to harvest. But yeah, as long as it's in, you know, a place that's cool and dry, you don't want to put it in like, you know, a, a moist place. All right. <laughs> I could hang out all night and I'm sure other people can. So I want to respect your time because you've got four kids, two cats, ducks, and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So um, summarize everything that you offer, your store, classes, everything, where, and where can people find you? Um, okay. Summarize well, all I, the cool stuff. We're on, unfortunately, I'm not on Instagram or on fa Facebook, but I am on Instagram. So my handle there is at mystic.sister. I have a website that has all of my products on it for sale. It's www.mysticsister.us. And I do have a free ebook that's available that I mentioned a couple times. It's on the footer. So any page of my website, if you just scroll to the bottom, you'll see it. You just sign up to my mailing list. It's not spammy at all. It's like lucky if I do it once a month. Um, and you'll get a free ebook. It's 45 pages and it is very comprehensive. It'll take you from beginning to end whole year of organic gardening, organic and intuitive gardening. So uh, it'll go over everything from like, picking out your garden plot, how to observe your land to see where the best space might be, um, what your zone is, figuring out your climate, how to save seeds, how to make preparations like preserving the harvest. Um, and then also I do lead you through some like plant spirit meditations, um, intuitive okay. communications with the plants, um, cool. yeah, recipes, all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. So I, I make products. I sell them uh, in my shop and here in person uh, in the Austin, kind of San Antonio, Texas area. We have <clears throat> lots of herbal teas, uh, flower essences, um, tinctures, body preparations like salves, balms, massage oils. Uh, I have aura sprays, which is sort of a new mm -hmm. product. So that can buy, they're infused with crystals, but they also have some really high quality essential oils and uh, my flower essences in them. Um, yeah. And I also offer Reiki and, um, intuitive readings. What about classes? You, are you do, is that just like that? I'm, I'm working you do it on sometimes, them right now. Sometimes I, I you offer classes or. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I did a like five or six month long organic workshop, uh, organic gardening workshop series in Ontario. And then since I've moved here, I've been basically like working on building community and things like that. And so now I have some spaces here to do it. So the idea is that I can take these in-person workshops, like they're like herbalism, you know, like mm. herbal tea blending, making your own like natural uh, medicine cabinet, you know, mm -hmm. things <clears throat> and going through like how to make a tincture, how to actually blend herbs to make an effective medicinal tea, how to make flower essences and how to make herbal infusion, you know, oil infusions to like, basically like mm -hmm. getting started, like herbalism 101 kitchen witchery sort of thing. <laughs> and then I I'm love that biodynamic beekeeping course as well. We're going to chat about that another time too. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We could chat forever and your knowledge is insane but oh, when you offer your classes you should think about offering zoom because i think there's gonna 
Like I oh, love okay. in person. So keep the in-person vibe. I love oh, it. That's but an you, interesting idea. If you yeah. expand to Zoom, I am down. And I know you're you would get so many people on Zoom. It's just an idea to think about. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah. So yeah, check out her website. And then you had a code, right? For the viewers. Yes. Yeah. So if you go on my website and make your first order and Regina, for your next order. (laughs) No, don't worry about me. No, no, it's all good. The the promo code is Sovereign AF and you will get 15% off your entire order. It's amazing. So you just type it in at the end, you'll, you'll fill up your cart. It doesn't matter. There's no limit, you know, you'll get it for all of the items in your cart. And then, you know, there'll be a space for a coupon code and you just type in Sovereign AF, uh, all lowercase and Mm. yeah, you get 15% off. And there is a question. I'll come back to that after. We'll we'll wrap up the recording because I don't want to take too much of your time. So uh, what do you want to leave us with? What's a little message My that message. you want to leave us with? <laughs> like, I would say don't don't be intimidated by like the vastness of it. It can seem overwhelming. Like, how am I ever going to have a medicinal you know, garden where I'm doing all these things. It's a lot and it can feel really overwhelming, but don't let that stop you. Like start small, you know, like I sort of told my story in the beginning. It's like, I've only had a homestead now for three years and I've been doing this for like 15 years, like this, you know, like professionally or Mm. in, in sort of that, you know, like a semi-professional professional capacity. Um, and I mean, when I got, when I really first started and I was starting my herbal studies, like I just had window boxes, you know, if you have a balcony, like people in the city, you're probably like, how am I ever going to do this? Any, like, Believe it or not. Get, yeah. Window boxes. Or, or if you have a balcony, if you're lucky enough to have, have a balcony, mm-hmm. get some pots out there. You know, maybe you have like, um, a really sunny window or something like that. Lots of herbs, like especially herbs can grow in it right now. I was telling you this in these like not sub optimal conditions. So like, just do what you can, like take a baby step, do one thing, like get a couple of plants, you know, like just take it one step at a time and don't feel like you have to have the, you know, 10 acre homestead next year. Like, no, that's not realistic. Like, right. Do what what you can today. And, you know, like be proud of, of that. I love it. I love it. We're going to hang out Facebook group. So hang out for a moment. I see there's like a question or two. We'll get to it in one Thanks, second. Everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you viewers at home, everybody that's watched live and on YouTube and rumble. Thank you so much. Um, exciting things coming up. We have all things parasites next episode. So tune in and um, thank you all for supporting this. I appreciate you so much.